Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today is Mr. Simon Bukowski. Si, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thanks, Dan. How are you? I'm very good, apart from it's absolutely freezing and raining, even though it's the 20th of May. We're still not quite in summer yet, unfortunately. Especially, I've got a weekend off coming up as well, and it's, well, at least at least we can go inside the pubs now. So every cloud definitely has a silver lining. <laughs> and also joining me today is Mr. Stu Brennan. Stuart, how is it going? Absolutely fine, thanks. And I don't care about the rain and the wind, because I've got to Portugal next week. <laughs> I won't tell you why. <laughs> well, it's certainly all right for some. Um, it's been a busy week. For City, um, a strange week in on and off the pitch, but we'll start with off it. And um, the probably the story of the week in terms of football is the future of Harry Kane. We all thought Erling Haaland would be the transfer saga of the summer, but um, the England captain has come out of nowhere to throw a spanner in that works. It was widely reported earlier um, this week that uh, he was wanted to leave Tottenham, um, sick of not winning anything. Tottenham haven't won a trophy since 2008. Uh, almost, I think they will now fail to qualify for the Champions League. A second consecutive season, three years after getting to the final. And then today he's broken his silence in an interview with Gary Neville on the Overlap podcast. He said, um, I think so. I think it's definitely a conversation to be had with the club. Like you say, I want to be playing in the biggest games, the biggest moments. So Simon, City, of course, have been kind of, well, he's actually still favourites to stay at Tottenham because I'm sure Daniel Levy isn't going to be one to let him go for the cheap. But City are the favourites to sign him out of the clubs being linked. How do you think that's going to go? You know, we've talked at length of the position City are in to sign a striker this summer. We all thought it'd be Haaland, but now Kane has kind of emerged as a seemingly a, a, a potential candidate now. Yeah, I think what has come out from Harry Kane and from people in his camp this week only strengthens City's position for the summer. They want to sign a striker uh, to replace Sergio Aguero. They want to sign a striker of that Aguero calibre. Haaland is is you know of interest to them they really like Haaland Messi is still an option from Barcelona and Harry Kane has made it clear that he would like to leave Tottenham so he's on on the radar as well because you're not going to turn down uh, the chance to sign Harry Kane if he's available I'm not sure how much um, Kane you know Kane said today he will decide you know, what his future is. Well, he won't, Tottenham will. Um, and he's got three years left on a very lucrative contract. So Harry Kane, for me, should be treated as similar to Lionel Messi in that, as far as City are concerned, um, should he be available, then yeah, great, they'll try and sign him. But there's no point um, really sort of trying to go for him if it's made very clear that they will, they will not go for him, uh, that he's not available. But it does mean they have three very very good options this summer Kane and Haaland will probably be a similar price they've got that money to spend so if Tottenham or Dortmund are uh, are willing to sell for uh, for a price that City are happy with then uh, that's a very good position for for City to be in and and you know Messi is a bonus as well at the side because you know City want at least one striker. Stuart Simon says like Kane said today that um, he's, he's you know he's going to be you know they're going to have a conversation with 
Levy and it's going to be his decision ultimately. And I think Daniel Levy must be reading that interview, just chuckling to himself, you know, you sweet summer child. Because I think everyone knows, you know, none of us are involved in the football business um, directly, but we all, all, even us, even we know that Levy is not one to kind of, you know, he treated Tottenham fans, he charged them more than any other team in the Premier League for the first match back this week and sat them up in the in the upper echelons of the stadium. I didn't even know they had fans in uh, when I was watching their game with Aston Villa yesterday. He's not one who <laughs> particularly cares how anyone thinks of him. He's He's the bad guy and I really do not think he's going to care what Harry Kane thinks. He's got a three-year contract, as Simon says, um, really well played. He's already 27. Can this even be a deal that City can pull off? And, you know, 100 million for Kane. He's a player who, while world-class and amazing finisher, consistent over the last five, six years, mm. been getting 20 to 30 goals a season. But his injury record is not very good. And as, as I say, he's not getting younger. Is this even move that City, you know, when Haaland's there, younger, fitter, Potentially of the same caliber. Is this a deal that City should probably be staring clear of? Well, you look at you look at the two clubs that we're talking about. I mean, they're both notorious for digging their heels in and getting exacting the maximum price you can for players. They've both done it many times over the years. And Dortmund have already set the marker out with, with what they did with Jaden Sancho with United. You know, they just dug their heels in, and everyone thought they would crumble at the last minute and come to a compromise fee that's what normally happens but they didn't you know and they, they held on to Sancho and that sends out quite a message Tottenham are similar but this year the great unknown is just how fi- how much financially the clubs have been affected by the pandemic we know that City um I've, I've said that they you know they, they've lost 126 million pound but that won't affect the, the business that they will do you know it's not affecting what they're going to go what they're planning to go ahead and do this summer in the transfer market they've already said that but Tottenham still paying off the stadium. Won't have Champions League football. Do they need the money? Dortmund, we keep hearing. I mean, they they rely a lot on match day revenue. You know, they got a huge ground that's always full, uh, and they, they they make a lot of their money through that. They don't get the same broadcasting revenue that English clubs get. Do they need the money? And City, I mean, I've got their eye on both. Ty throws in Messi quite rightly as well because it's always a distinct possibility getting Messi on a zero fee, even though his wages would be high, he's not to be sniffed at. But obviously that that you know I think Haaland or Kane is a player that they need, and it, you know I, th- I think they'll quite happily pursue both to be honest, and then see what what crumbles you know. And if the, 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 either of those two clubs or both of those two clubs do need the money, it's leverage from, you know, a leverage that you could be used as levers against each other. If City pursue Haaland, you know, Spurs perhaps need the money for Kane. Well, you know, they, they can use it to try and get the price down for either player. Obviously, they'll only get one of them, but uh, which one remains to be seen. But City would be, to be greatly happy. I mean, people talk about the age profile, but what you, you've also got to think about is that City have got Liam Delap coming through. I mean, Simon's written a, an excellent interview with the young Delap. Uh, which shows what a good head he's got on his shoulders. And, you know, you kind of think he's 18. Kane, in four or five years' time, will be coming to the end of his career as Aguero is now. The lap will be 21, 22. Does he, you know, if things go to plan and he keeps developing the way he has, does he just step up and, and become the, the main man? And the other prospect is, you know, we, we could be talking about a swap deal. You know, there's a few players being mooted as, as possible swaps, uh, certainly with Spurs, maybe not with Dortmund, but certainly with Spurs. Sorry, like City, you know, Guardiola, when he was asked about signing Haaland um, after Aguero's announcement of him leaving um, back in April, 
adamant that City weren't going to spend big money this summer. You know, he's saying that City are just as affected as other clubs. We all think that was a bit, um, you know, take a big helping of salt with that. But Guardiola's been adamant that they're not going to sign a big money player this summer. Um, Dortmund seemingly every week say that Haaland won't be going anywhere. And it's going to be, you can't imagine City kind of haggling down Levy on Kane fee. Is there a possibility that City don't actually sign a new striker this summer and they go in another Premier League campaign again? We, apart from Jesus and, of course, Young Delap, without kind of their proper goal scorer that they want? I mean, there's always a chance. But, I mean, they did it in 2019 when they didn't sign a Vincent Company replacement because there weren't the, the people in the market they thought. They didn't want to pay over £70 million for Harry Maguire and United paid 80 for him. But having been burnt that season because they lost the league because they didn't sign a company replacement, I, I think... I, I don't think they'd be letting Sergio Aguero leave if they weren't very, very confident that they could sign a striker. Um, and I also think Guardiola didn't actually say that they wouldn't spend big money to sign a striker. He said that they wouldn't pay the prices that had been talked about. Well, talked about where? I mean, basically, he was just saying that they wouldn't pay Dortmund's initial gambit for him, which um, is, is quite sensible and what happens in any transfer. Now, if Dortmund don't want to budge from that, that initial fee, then um, then that will be a problem that City will have to deal with. Um, but like Stu says, that the fact that Kane wants to leave as well gives additional bargaining power because they can play them off against each other. I would be I'd be very very surprised if at least one of the three we're talking about is not at City next season because they, they've got the funds for it. They've had the funds for it for ages to spend big big money. Like City usually spend one big transfer a summer that's how they they do it and they don't really need any other position strengthening this summer they might need to buy kind of a midfielder slash forward if another of their current squad decides to leave and that's why I say a Jack Grealish would fit in but most of the money spent on that will be outlaid by you know the value of the player going out so I think you know I'd be I'd be staggered if they don't sign um a world-class forward this summer. And for you, Kane or Haaland, who do you think they should go for? I would take Haaland uh, just because he's younger and I think he's more exciting. Um, but at the same time, uh, nobody was very excited when Kyle Walker signed for City and he's been one of the best signings. Yeah, don't worry. I think either would, like, I think City are pretty much untouchable as it is. Well, hopefully when we see the Champions League final, but they are just that... They are just that striker who can bury all the chances they make away from being near unstoppable. They've dropped a few points this year um, in silly situations where in a season where they might have a bit close competitors, it might have cost them a bit more. But getting that natural finisher is what's going to kind of really put them above the rest of the league and it'll be up to the other teams to catch up. But speaking of losing silly points, Stu, City, on, it doesn't matter anymore. The league is sewn up. It's just chilling now before the Champions League final. But they played Brighton at the week, on Tuesday, sorry. And uh, they lost a crazy game three two, going ahead through an Ilkay Gundogan header, and then losing Jao Cancelo to quite a quite a strange red card um, a few minutes after. They managed to go two 0 up thanks to an amazing goal from Foden, but then uh, it all unravelled as Brighton mounted quite um, quite a great comeback in their own right in front of the fans. It was kind of it was lovely to see hear proper cheering this week, and um, yeah, it was a crazy game. What were your thoughts on it, Stu? Well, it was crazy, but I, th- I think the, it was crazy simply because the officiating was just so utterly abysmal you know I, I don't remember 
again, you know, we've, we've seen bad decisions all season. We've seen bad decisions throughout the history of football, but I don't remember a game this season where there were three such awful decisions made. Um, I mean, in in the scheme of the season, it doesn't matter a thing because you know it was it was a pointless end of the season game, and I, I just wonder if that that kind of affected the mentality of the officials because it was Brighton's big night. You know, they would they had fans back in the ground. City were already champions. Brighton just had a bit of pride to play for, and they, they just got so many decisions. I mean, they, they were one or two. I mean, they, the Eric Garcia handball as well, which I've I've, I've seen since since I wrote about uh, the referee and the officials, but. But the, th- the three decisions that, that he made just affected the game massively. I mean, the Cancelo sending off on two counts, it wasn't a foul. It wasn't a foul. If I'm, not, you know, if I'm the centre-back chasing back with a striker, you've got two players both going for the same ball. If you look at it carefully, uh, Cancelo's leg gets clipped by, by Danny Welbeck. And then they, they, they fall into each other, basically. And I, I know that the VAR, when, when they, they talked about it in the bunker at Stockley Park, and it was said there that it was it was a 50-50 whether it was a penalty or not, whether it was a, a sending off or not, sorry. 50-50 whether it was a foul, basically. But it, to me, it wasn't. I mean, and, and also the fact that Welbeck didn't have possession, didn't have control of the ball and didn't look like he was going to control the ball. The ball was up above his head. Um, quite probably wouldn't have got to it. Somebody else gets back. The Nilkai Gundogan one, Stubbs in the knee. Is a red card. You know, we saw John Stone sent off for it recently when he, he wasn't attempting to, to make a foul. You know, and the, the fact that the guy's leg was bent is just nonsense. You know, you get studs in your knees. Gundogan, could have put Gundogan out of the Champions League final, no doubt about that. Uh, he's lucky it didn't. And then the last one, Gabriel Jesus. I mean, if that's not a penalty, I don't know what is. And the fact that John Moss is the VAR, is the man who gave, who failed to give, uh, failed to give the, uh, the penalty um, when Alex McCarthy brought down Phil Foden in the City Southampton game, just doubles up on it. Really, you know, if if that man cannot see that those two offences are penalties, there's something seriously, seriously wrong with his his judgment. Yeah, not only was it kind of a bad result on the pitch um, side, but it was kind of while the result itself doesn't matter, it was not the best preparations for the Champions League final. It's just over a week away now. But Gundogan went off with an injury. I, I don't know if there's any update on him. Is he? Has there been any word if he's going to be okay or not? Uh, no, I think I don't think there are too many worries over it. No, that's good. But even so, it's still not the best preparation. Jao Cancelo getting sent off won't be able to play in the final game of the season, I imagine, unless there's an appeal I've missed. And then uh, Ferran Torres going off as a result to bring Garcia on to replace it. A mistake from by Rodri in the first goal. It seems like the the three spots that were maybe up for debate for the Pep's team for the final have now been settled after that game, and it's, it's they're not really going to get a chance to fight their way back into the to the starting eleven. You wouldn't have thought now. Yeah, I, I tweeted after it that it was an awful night for City, and you know some people said, "Oh, you know, it's a bit over the top or whatever." But just from the point of view that it would would have been better if they just stayed at home and trained, because not only did they have like the fury and the indignation at all these ridiculous calls going against them. But Gundogan got kicked to pieces and Cancelo got sent off early. Ferran Torres was also substituted early. So, yeah, I mean, Guardiola is using these games to give an idea. And based on that Brighton game, you would say, yeah, well, those three spots, the the fullback spot, the front three and defensive midfield are probably all sorted. You could probably pick the 11 immediately. But of those three, there's only like 
Rodri that actually played a full 90 minutes. If Rodri can't get into the team for Chelsea, then there'll be understandable reasons why. But it's a shame. It's a real shame for uh, Cancelo and Torres that um, refereeing decisions have gone against them. Not that I expected Cancelo or Torres to play in the final necessarily, but it, it's, it, it wasn't their fault. And also, you know, Torres, even if he can't get in the team, he's kind of playing for like first replacement because he scored a trick at, at Newcastle. If he'd done well again, then, you know, maybe he's pushing ahead of Gabriel Jesus, ahead of Raheem Sterling to be the first option off the bench. Whereas, you know, maybe he loses that now. Yeah, definitely. The, the one good thing of the game, uh, Stu, was Foden's goal. It was brilliant. He's picked the ball up from the halfway line, ran the length of it with a player on his heels, just shrugging him off. He, re- he really seems like he's set up to kind of be the hero of the final. I can just picture it so clearly. And hopefully um, the Euros to follow as well, because he's he's got a start for England now. He's probably the most informed English player, maybe Jaden Sancho aside. And what a goal. And it's just what a season he's had in, in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was Classic, I say classic Phil Foden. It's an odd thing to say about a, a twenty-year-old vintage Phil Foden when he's twenty years old. But yeah, I mean, it was it was top quality goal. I mean, right from the moment he received it, well inside his own half, he just set off and, and burnt them for burnt them for pace. I mean, his his pace wasn't really being talked about a lot when he was coming through. You know, it was all about his control and his his his, his balance and his you know his eye for goal and these kind of things but he's so so much quicker than people give him credit for I mean it, it was quite an eye-opener against Chelsea funnily enough earlier in the season when he he, he completely burned off Azpilicueta you know he just took him on in a foot race gave him a yard and and then beat him by two it was you know his pace, his pace is quite remarkable but to run at that pace keep control of the ball and then get the finish just so a delicate finish just so right it's just it's just staggering, really. You know, uh, every game, every game he's on the team sheet. You go into it thinking, what's he going to do? He's going to do something today. You feel he's going to score. He's going to create. He's going to do something special. Uh, and that that's quite quite stunning, really, for a player of his age. I mean, it's it's, it's quite common. I get the Mickey taken out because I love David Silver. So watching David Silver play football so much, and I used to really, I used to get excited when I saw his name on the team sheet. But even he didn't. It wasn't for that reason. I just liked the way he played football, just like the, his touch and everything else. But even Silver didn't didn't often produce those stunning moments. Of, you know, he he didn't do that kind of thing. We never saw David Silver pick the ball up in his own half and then burn everybody off and stick it in the far corner. That wasn't his game. And that's what makes Foden so exciting. You know, even more so than Silver, I would say. I'm not saying he's a better player than Silver, but I'm saying that he's more exciting in that he... He has you on the edge of his of your seat, you know, expecting something to happen. Um, but I, I wrote as well that over and above that, you know, it's just the simple things that he does so so well, and it's so important to the City team. For the first goal, he he collected the ball, he turned and he pinged it to Mares, you know, in a split second. Now other players, other top players, would take that ball, take longer to control it, take longer to weigh up. And, and take longer to get the ball out. Not by much, you know, you're only talking about fractions of seconds, but those fractions of seconds matter so much in this City team. You know, if you can move the ball quickly, that that's the whole basis of it. The quicker you move the ball in this City team, Foden controls, thinks and executes in such a short period of time that, you know, he, he, puts you on, he keeps you on the front foot all the time. And it's just exceptional. You know, you, you put those two things together, and that is some player, you know, 
and he, he doesn't mentally he doesn't seem to be phased by anything. The, you know, the, the more praise he gets and the higher he, the higher he seems to get in terms of his ability, the more it brings him on. Uh, and that that is, is is exciting for City fans, but it's quite frightening for the rest of the Premier League. Exciting for England fans as well. You know, I'm sure that England. I'm, I'm not really bothered about international football to be honest, but I'm sure England fans will be really excited to to see him step out. Uh, at the Euros, especially with so many other good young England players coming up around him. Yeah, absolutely. And to think he's still only 20 years old is actually mind-bending. But, uh, Simon, we're going into the final game of the season on Sunday now. It's going to be a celebration for City a week before the Champions League final, six days less. Um, you know, there's fans going to be back in the Etihad for, um, for the first time in well over a year. We're going to be li- They're going to be lifting the Premier League title in front of said fans. How do you think Guardiola kind of approaches this game? I think Everton still need to win for any hope of Europa League football and not wanting to get stuck in the um, whatever the hell the conference, European conference is going to be. So they're going to be up for it, you'd have thought. How does Pep approach this? Does he name his strongest side to give him a run out ahead of the Champions League final? Or more, I would have thought more predictably, is, is it again another run out for the fringe players? You know, you'll maybe even Laporte giving a goal to try and get in the final, you know, your Akes, your Garcias and... Um, maybe even an appearance for a youngster like Tommy Doyle or someone. I think it'll be a strongest team uh, looking ahead to the the Champions League final. Um, I think that is priority number one for for Sunday, and priority number two is getting Sergio Aguero on the pitch. That's the only real thing. I mean, it's looking very very unlikely that Aguero will have a role to play in the Champions League final in t- terms of he's not going to be starting, and he's probably not going to be one of the first players. They turn to off the off the bench, which is kind of like unthinkable. Would have been unthinkable to say, you know, a year or six months ago, even. But um, it's just kind of the sad, sad way that it is. But um, I think you saw when City were at the cup final at Wembley with the fans all cheering for Sergio Aguero. Um, you know, Sunday is his big farewell, his last game at the Etihad, and it, you know the day is going to be about him. But it would be nice if if a decent wedge of the game is about him too and he can maybe score that that goal that I think he's one short of um, the Premier League record for most goals at a single club and needs two to to beat it. So it'd be nice if he is fit enough, if he was uh, was given the opportunity to to do that because, you know, he's a he's a club legend. Yeah, I was going to say maybe you bring him on bring him on in the final and if it goes straight to time to take a penalty, but after his last uh, effort from the spot against Chelsea, I don't know, I think it'd be giving some City fans palpitations if he stepped up. But Stu, yeah, it's going to be Aguero's, you know, last game at the Etihad. That's going to be an emotional moment and it's nice that, at least for him, that there's going to be a small portion of supporters there to witness it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've just found out that, you know, we've not got the full details because a lot of it's secret, but we know now that the... It's going to happen. There's going to be a, a special tribute to Aguero after the trophy presentation. So, you know, City want supporters to know so that they don't clear off after the trophy presentation. They make sure they stick around and say, give him a proper send-off. Um, and that's going to involve a presentation of some kind. It's going to involve uh, tributes from past and current players. And then uh, there's going to be a video of his, of his some of his best moments up on the, on the big screens. And then uh, Aguero will take the microphone to uh, to say his own farewell to the the ten thousand supporters who will be in the ground, uh, and he will. It'll be a, it'll be an emotional moment. I mean, I've I've covered virtually his entire career at City. You know, I was there when he he scored on his debut against Swansea. I still remember the the transfer saga that summer. Uh, I was I was out with the team in uh, in California, 
and we kept getting up, you know, we kept hearing, hearing updates on, on how the transfer was going. So, you know, it, it's... It's, it's been an incredible 10 years, you know, his, his goal record and everything else just, just speaks for itself. And these City fans attach themselves to players so so deeply, you know, we, and for different reasons. Zabaleta, they absolutely adore because of what he is as a man and, and the commitment he showed. Vincent Company because of his leadership and his, his diplomacy as well as his football contribution. David Silva, I think more simply because of his, his just his, his brilliance and his excellence over the years, and now Sergio Aguero for providing the greatest moment in City's history, um, plus another what, 287 goals is it as well as that one? Um, he's just smashed the club goal scoring record out of the park, uh, and the deadliest striker in Premier League history as well. So yeah, I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be usually emotional. And I don't expect it to be a, a dry eye in the, in, the, in the house. There'll be one or two tears in the press box, I think, as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, a, a few more pieces of other business before we wrap up today's podcast, lads. Um, Ruben Diaz has been named the FWA Player of the Year and no doubt he'll be the first of many awards coming his way. And finally, the Champions League final ticket situation's finally been resolved. Um, last week, City had released a statement when there was, I think, 15, 14 days before the final. They released a statement saying, we're still waiting for news. But Sai, tickets have finally been released. They're finally on sale. And uh, another good thing for City fans is that Sheikh Mansour's, um will pay um, flights and transfers for those in, going in the City bubble, um, which obviously is a, a nice gesture to the supporters after the year they've had, as has everyone. Yeah, um, I'm, I, it, it's been a mess. It's been an utter mess, um, as has much of this pandemic, if that's not too political a thing to say. But... Um, yeah, we're, we're finally getting towards the end of um, end end of the mess. Maybe light at the end of the tunnel, and tickets are on sale. Um, starting off at sixty pounds, going all the way up to five hundred and fifteen pounds, which you know goes very well with uh, UEFA last UEFA a few weeks ago. The, the guardians of the game outraged at uh, the European Super League plans. Yeah. These greedy clubs, eh? Didn't take them long to throw everyone back under the bus, did it? They, they, they used everyone for PR purposes. They thanked us for saving their bloody revenue streams for um, getting the Super League done, but then straight back at it. I think there's been controversy, controversy about the Euro 2020 in 2021 tickets as well. They're being far more expensive hospitality packages than there are actual tickets. So, yeah, something's changed, but most of it stays the same. Yeah, um, it's kind of... A- a, a nice, maybe a reassuring reminder that there are still some uh, constant things in life with uh, taxes and the rest of it. Yeah, I, it, it's good that a few fans, uh, there's been an arrangement that a few fans who can make their own way there can get to the game because they had come out and said that you had to go on the, the club official trips, but I don't know to hand how many tickets that will account for or how many um, tickets you know, are in the £500 pound block. But it is, um, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's hopefully not a once-in-a-lifetime experience for uh, for City fans. Hopefully, uh, sort of the start of, of many years of getting to European finals. But it's um, it's nice that some fans can attend. It is um, still, they still have all kinds of hoops to, to jump through, which I'm sure Stu can tell us more about. <laughs> all the hoops that he's having to jump through. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit too old and big to be jumping through hoops as well. But uh, it is. It's, I mean, the the three COVID tests. You've got to take one before you. I mean, I've got to do this as well. You've got to take one before you go. Uh, I've got to take a second one the day before I fly home. 
over a video link. I've got to sit in my hotel room while somebody watches me over a video link. Talk about Big Brother. Watches me stick a swab up my nose and down my throat just to make sure I'm doing it right. And then I have to show them the results as well. I mean, the thought of some poor soul having a peek into my hotel room during a Euro away is... Uh, it's not a pleasant thought for whoever, whoever lands that job. And then also, I, I have a kit which, when I get home within two days, you have to take another test, a PCR test, which is, is a more accurate one, to make sure that you, you've not picked up COVID while you're over there. So, you know, but let's be face it, I'm getting paid to go over there. The supporters are having to pay for this privilege. Uh, so they're the ones who, who, who we should reserve our sympathy for. You know, uh, it, it's been a pain. I mean, the amount of paperwork and admin stuff i've had to do i've barely written a thing in the past two days because i've been hooked up with doing all this kind of stuff so i'm sure fans are, are pretty much fed up but of course it'll all be worth it if come the end of the game uh city are running around the estadio de dragao with the champions league trophy yeah and we'll we'll talk more about the champions league final next week and um, before it happens but as we say first will be the everton game on sunday which we'll be covering completely in depth over at the, um, the manchester evening news forward slash manchester city you can get us on facebook at manchester evening news man city on twitter at man city men you know this by now so just go over there read all our excellent excellent stories follow everyone on twitter like share subscribe and yeah we'll talk to you next week after city have lifted the premier league trophy sergio garo said goodbye to the etihad and city gear up for a trip to portugal so but until then see you later Ta-ra.